You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right. What's up, family? It's good to see everybody. Um, man, you guys are like hard to let go of. I've been thinking about it all day. I'm like, man, this is like the last. I see you. I see you out there, needles of love, Jen. <laughs> but you guys are so easy to love and have been so kind and hospitable and generous and loving up on my wife. And, you know, you've just made a, a tremendous impact on me. And, and I want you to know that. And that's that's real talk. I mean, you know, this is a very special ride that we just went on. And so I want to thank you guys for allowing me in and adopting me into the family. And uh and let me ride with you for a while. I feel like I'm forever connected to the West Side. I really, really do. And um I can't wait to come and see you again. Um I'm gonna go ahead and, and make my introductory remarks brief and because we're gonna have some sharing tonight, so I'm gonna jump right in. This is the conclusion on page one ten, it comes out of Luke chapter eight, verse forty two. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You know, I love this story and I chose it, you know, for the the conclusion, because all of us have something, you know, that we're still searching for, that we're still begging for. And this is one of those stories where you see this beautiful He calls her daughter and she's been suffering for 12 years and she's got a blood disorder of some kind, which means that she is cast out, separated, alone, lonely and sick and by yourself and no one to take care of you has got to be a horrible thing. I don't know what that feels like. And she heard that Jesus was coming through town. This was it. This was her last shot. This was her last hope. You know, if if this doesn't work, done, wrap. I don't know what she was going to do next. Big crowd pressing around Jesus. Jesus has become a rock star. Every time he goes to a new town or village, man, boom, everybody comes out. They want a piece of him, and they're all there for different reasons. And there's one woman that nobody sees. Now, imagine this, this woman who's sickly and also an outcast having the determination to fight her way through the crowd, the elbows and the pushing and the shoving, everybody's crowding against Jesus. And she figures out how to get there. She doesn't give up, takes a shot, you know, gets pushed aside, stumbles and falls, gets up again, have no idea how long it took her to get to him. And she believes something. I would say she had what we would say maybe feeble faith. 
if somebody out there is like, man, I got a little bit, but man, I am beat up. I'm fired up that everybody's loving this 40 days of prayer, but I am desperate. Ain't nothing happening on this end. Feeble faith, which for this sister was enough, man. Jesus said, if there's a mustard seed, there's that's plenty. All you got to do is have some. Just real faith. Real faith. And she said, if I just, man, that's a powerful statement. If I just, then how do you finish that sentence? See, for 40 days, we've been tracking him and we've been watching for him and we've been journaling evidence and fingerprints and we've been listening for the spirit and we've been feeling that nudge and we've been making moves and we've been starting the day off saying, please, Father, today's the day. And it's for those who have been able to get wrapped up in it. I pray that the Holy Spirit has come alive, that the eyes have begun to see things that you weren't seeing and that you're beginning to have hope. She had just a little bit of hope left and this was it. Last shot. And yet she was willing to do what she had to do and she touched him and all of a sudden it was just bam. It just, it might have knocked her down. I mean, just a touch. And Jesus said, somebody touched me and Peter said, Come on, Lord. <laughs> yeah, you're getting touched quite a bit today. And he said, nah, somebody touched me because I felt power. Leave me. Somebody touched him in a way that nobody else was touching him because power escaped from his body. You get the feeling that it wasn't something Jesus did intentionally. She tapped into something. And a power that she didn't understand, couldn't explain, didn't expect, it rushed into her and immediately she was filled with light and there was no more disease. And Jesus said, who got that? Who got that shot? <laughs> and she finally turned herself in and trembling, told him the whole truth. He said, your faith has healed you. Jesus wasn't a part of that healing. He was touched by somebody and the power left him. And I want you to focus on this tremendous, immeasurable power inside of him if you know somebody that has a certain kind of energy that can change a room you know when they walk in there's just something different it doesn't mean they're the loudest it doesn't mean they're the funniest it doesn't mean that they're on stage it just means there's a powerful genuine energy that has the the power to affect people it's contagious and there's something special about it you know when you meet somebody like that and I want you to imagine, have you ever thought about looking into his eyes? Like, can you imagine his eyes? <laughs> I mean, you talk about the eye is the soul, man. It's the, it's the window to the soul. And it's, you can only look into somebody's soul if they allow you to. It's a very intimate thing. And can you imagine when Jesus got eyeball to eyeball with somebody? And this power was inside of him that nothing could overwhelm. It lit up darkness. It cured diseases. It stopped storms. It brought back from the dead. It healed blindness and the mute and the deaf. It it just had power over demons. The Roman soldiers fell down. I mean, it was like just this power that was was caught up in him. And it was trapped in flesh for a time. And then the resurrection, then it's out. I mean, it's like, and then the, there's this Holy Spirit, this holy energy, straight from the source, pure light. Nothing can overcome it. Unapproachable light. 
That is the power <laughs> that we have at our disposal. But she touched him. 40 days in a row, we've been trying to get to him. We talked last week about the double touch. What's up with the second touch? Why you got to touch me again? How come it didn't work the first time? Well, now we're talking about, no, this is our time to touch. And I want to ask you, why do you need to touch him? What is it that you're still searching for? What's the thing that you've been tempted to give up on? After 40 days, you're weary. It's that thing. Maybe you've seen some things happen, but that one thing that I keep bringing up, and I don't know what it is for you, um, but he knows. And there's this power at our disposal and this energy. And I want to talk about this holy energy. Everything atomic is made of energy. We're pure energy, just perpetrating matter. We know this. Einstein proved it. It's like everything is pure energy. This is made of energy. It's just moving at a frequency where we consider it solid, but it's not. It's just a, it's strings of vibrational energy that are perpetrating flesh, right? And so if everything is energy, then I want you to think about the Holy Spirit, what that energy is. You can't create energy. You can't destroy energy. It just changes forms. And so when someone surrenders and gives their life to Jesus, just surrender, baptize into him, Holy Spirit indwelling. Now this power, this holy energy is in you and he's there to guide us. He's not a concept. He's very, very real. I want to tell you a story because this week and especially today. One of the biggest miracle prayers of my life showed up. I had a whole nother message plan. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, I think I need to tell you this thing. Selma, Alabama became very important to me because Dr. King is very important to me. And I've been following him for a long time. And the prison uh, peace initiative that, that I created, I modeled after so many things I learned from him. And so much of him is in my work and my life. And I didn't know when I started studying him at 25 that he was going to have such a dramatic impact on my ministry. I didn't have any clue. You don't know what you're doing today that 10 years from now, you're going to look back and say that thing was, was important. That was significant. And so in my, you know, I mean, I've done some really cool things um, in honor of Dr. King. The King Center carries one of my books, the NAACP, you know, gave me this living the dream thing that was one of the biggest wonderful things you know i've i've marched you know with with people i've i've gotten to go to the the places i've gotten to meet with some of his right hand men bernice has endorsed my book i mean it's like i feel connected to martin i always have he cared about selma alabama and that was bloody sunday that was when the nation watched in horror as people of color were being beat on, just beat down, unconscious. And it was the whole world had never seen what was going on in the South. Selma became iconic. You've probably seen the movie. But see, those that don't know Selma, they just think all you see is when the politicians show up on March 7th 
anniversary of Bloody Sunday, get their photo op on the bridge, walk a little short cross Edmund Pettus Bridge, and then everybody goes home saying, never forget Selma, and everybody forgets Selma again. And so I was drawn to Selma. I was in Montgomery at the memorial, um, Civil Rights Memorial, and there's a lot to Selma about that. And then I looked, and I was like, dang, Selma's only 54 miles. You know, right? I'm just going to go. And so the Holy Spirit, I didn't know it. It was an idea. It was a conscious decision. I'm going to go to Selma. I've never been there. This is 2015. And so I drive that drive, and I imagine Martin and all those people walking. And I drive that historic 54 miles, and I come up on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and I'm looking at history, man. And I go across, and I, I this sleepy little town. And I walk up on the bridge, and it's a beautiful day. And I'm wondering, why did God bring me to this city? And I thought, well, you know, it's because I love Dr. King and he cares about it. And so I'm standing on there and I said, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Give me a sign. Like, you want me to do something? And you know how I do. And I hope you've been doing that. I walked down off the bridge after I said, give me a sign. And I step off the curb and I almost step on it. And there's a tattered, torn up Bible that's sitting on the road and it's it's torn apart. It's been driven over. And I'm like sitting there looking at this Bible like who drops a Bible and doesn't bother to pick it up? You know, nobody's going to throw the word of the Lord out the window. Like, why is this thing there? And I almost step on it. And I've got it all right there. I mean, it's it's this big, you know, shattered. I still got just it's a major thing for me. And so I look down and I pick it up and I've got the scripture that was laying on the top that I saw. And so I've, I've taped it here. And if there's one scripture in the Bible, it's Mark 217 for me. (laughs) It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I didn't call, you know, I came to call the sinners, not the righteous people, man. See, you get a lot of flight when you're hanging out with gangsters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And people are like, man. And it's like, that's what I'm talking about. I asked him for a sign. I almost stepped on it. And it's my favorite scripture staring at me. And I kept it. I mean, this is precious to me. It's history. And so I'm like, well, that seems like a sign to me. So I get in my car and I call my son. And I said, I think we're supposed to march. And so I called my other son. And I said, he's a Marine. Terry's oldest and then my my oldest and, you know, her oldest is a, a Marine turned special forces sniper for battle tours. I mean, been there and done it all. And I called my son and I said, I think we're supposed to march. And we gathered like five of their buddies, five of us. And we started in Selma and we marched 54 miles. Those same places that Dr. King and we went just our little band of brothers, man. And it was we did it in two and a half days. It was pretty hard. Rain, you know, people splashing us with their cars, you know. I mean, it was just like trudging, man. And it and it was important. And I put, uh, you know, part of my tattoo, Selma, of course. Selma's now on the story, babe. And so, so I thought that was it. That was cool. And all of a sudden, I get reached out to. I'm invited to Selma. And I go and I take my Protect the Dream program there in honor of him and start working in these tough schools, man. It's a poor, poor town, 17,000 people. And I get dug in. I'm going over there every other week, and I'm working with the football team, working with the basketball team, these rivals, and I'm getting to know everybody. I I start preaching in a couple churches and, you know, go speak to the Chamber of Commerce. And all of a sudden, this town, man, 
it's only it's a little bitty town. And so when there's an outsider comes in, everybody knows it. And so they gave me a nickname. They started calling me the blue eyed soul brother. You know, it's uh, you know, it's so cool. I was kind of they adopted me for a minute. And then they started doing all this and that, man. It's like I'd go and hang with this pastor and the other pastor would, you know, would talk about it. And I'd go do this radio show and all the people that hated that person talking about me. And I'd go to, you know, the mayor wouldn't talk to me. It's, he, the city council, they're suing each other. It's like, I mean, it was just, I got caught up in, in this, this politics thing. And then the pandemic hit, you know, year, year and a half went by no Selma. And I was sad about it. I'm like, man, I, I thought we were going to do something. I'd gotten into the jail there. I'd gotten connected to some people. I was really getting entrenched and it was like, yes. You know, you called me here. I was on, this is a Holy Spirit thing. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just stopped. This year, <laughs> they've had 11 murders in a town of 17,000 in the first six months of the year. Per capita? Oh, that, that, that's more than Chicago, Baltimore, any of these other zones. Most of them are young people and they're dying. And it's all turf war, man. It's, it's, you know, retaliatory killing, man. You hit my guy, I got you. They burn this house down, burn down, and there's just people dying. And it's all in this one little ward. Seven of the, probably eight of the 11 murders have become one little ward, which is the war zone for these kids. Grandmothers and parents are afraid of their kids. And everybody thinks Selma is like, you know, kumbaya. We shall overcome. And it is, poor and it's divided racially and divided politically and now the kids have started a war and it's on and today the mayor uh <laughs> he reached out to me through my pastor over there because i got a pastor over there man who adopted me into his congregation the gospel tabernacle <laughs> they adopted me and i'm the only one that looks like me and he's my pastor I mean, the greatest pastor I've ever known. He serves like I've never seen a, a minister serve like this man serves. I've learned so much from him. Don't think you can only learn from people that think like you and vote like you and believe like you. You can learn from anybody. And he became a mentor. So the mayor had that pastor call me and say, we don't know what to do. Mayor said, I got no more answers. We need an outsider. Invite your guy. And so I'm getting with the mayor next Wednesday to propose my plan to end this war. And I've been practicing in the prisons for all these years. And now we're going to take it to the streets. And all Selma knows how to do is hire more officers, more detectives, hit the streets, lock them up. And my plan is (laughs) you got to go to the streets because the streets is the only thing that can fix the streets. You got to go to the gangsters because they're the only ones that can settle this thing down. And so I've got everything I've been praying for. You don't know how many 40 day prayers have had Selma caught up in it. And today it arrived. And I just I want you to get a load of the Holy Spirit that is working in your life he is leading you somewhere and you don't know where it is i walked on a bridge and said what you want me to do and now all of a sudden this is the most significant work of my life 
and I need prayers. I don't know what I'm walking into, but I'm going to find out. (laughs) And we have a plan. What is he trying to do with you? Where is he trying to take you? This isn't 40 days. This is about God. Come alive to me. Speak to me. I want to feel you. Send me somebody. Give me an idea. Give me a passion, a cause. Wake me up. Man, send me on my journey. This ain't an age thing. I don't care how many times you've been around the sun. Man, he ain't done with you. And if you are at your wit's end, and it's like, man, I got nothing left. He is my last hope. I say you're in perfect position. Just like that sister right there. All I got to do is touch his cloak because I've seen too much to believe that anything is impossible. So I want you to take the one that you believe is impossible. And I want you to look at the power that is in that touch. And I want you to compare your situation with his power. And then I want you to quit judging it by how long it takes. If it ain't what you want it to be, it didn't show up in the right package. It's like, man, finally, let's just, and it's hard. I got to do this every day. Trust him. And then I take it back and then I give it to him and then I take it back. And it's a wrestling match until you finally say your will be done. And I know the things that are on your list. Oh, he knows what you're praying for. He knows your heartaches. He knows your dreams and he knows you're frustrated because you hadn't got it just like you wanted it. And yet it might be sitting right there next to you in a package that you don't recognize. Or maybe he wants you to get a deeper, deeper version of yourself before he can give you the thing. But either we trust him or we don't. It's either love or fear right here. We get to choose love or fear. Perfect love drives out fear. When I go to Selma, I better go in love. That's what I'm talking about. Let the Holy Spirit, man, this 40 days. The Holy Spirit wants to have his way, and I believe with all my heart we are moving into the age of the Holy Spirit. In our churches, it is time to let him have his way. Not just answer a little prayer here or there, but I'm talking about take us somewhere we've never been. That's what I want, and that's what I thrive on. You don't think I'm going to be praying about and fired up about next week? (laughs) This is a clandestine affair. Mayor says I'm not allowed to tell anybody. A lot of politics going on. Uh-oh, blue-eyed soul brothers come back. And so y'all pray for my meeting and pray that God will start preparing the streets and that history will be made and that he gets all the glory. And this becomes a Holy Spirit story. And you're caught up in one, too. And so thank you for riding with me for this this time. I mean, I love y'all, and I'm going to crash your party every now and then. I hope I, you know. Find your Zoom link, something. (laughs) I love (laughs) y'all. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.